And we've been on a journey the last four weeks. Tonight we wrap up this series called Hanging Tough. Hanging Tough, old song from New Kids on the Block. And uh, I love the words to that song because there's a phrase in it that says this, Are you tough enough? Are you tough enough? You see, what happens so oftentimes in a setting like this, although this place is to be attractive and fun and dynamic and full of love and hope and peace and acceptance, what happens sometimes is places like this, well, they're filled with people who are not like that often. Sometimes we come in broken herd and we can become frustrated and, and sometimes something that is so beautiful and to be used in such a powerful way, well, we sometimes mess it up. And what happens sometimes is we become sidetracked and detoured by the enemy. And what happens is dissension can creep in to even a house like this. And what happens so oftentimes is instead of people staying and working it out and, and, and giving grace and, and loving each other and, and, and humbling themselves, what happens? People just bail out and they go find another place, if a place at all. The modern mentality in our culture today is this, if it doesn't work out, bail out. And we're seeing that play time and time again in our families. Husbands and wives not willing to, to work it out but bailing out. We see kids leaving their families. We see kids transferring from school to school. and We see athletes abandoning their team for yet another one. If it doesn't work out, bail out. Our government will even bail you out when it comes to health care, won't they? Silence all over the auditorium. So we've been on a journey over the last four weeks looking at something that we call around here our pledge of connection. It's similar to, it, it's kind of our creed. It's, it's, it's what everyone who, who chooses to call 1910 Church their home church, it's, it's kind of what we make a commitment to live by with one another. Now it's taken from Scripture. It's not called the Pledge of Connection in the Bible, so don't, don't be Googling it and looking at it. It's not in there. But I believe it is God-honoring and their challenges and their principles that I believe brings God great glory. We feel that when we live these five challenges out, that it's going to create an incredible place in which people want to belong. In fact, I feel that it'll just make us downright attractive. In a day, in, a, in an age in which people are, are searching for a place to connect, I believe that if we will live these five challenges out with one another, people are going to be drawn to the house of God. Now listen, I call them challenges because these things that we've been talking about, they are a challenge. And without the work of the Holy Spirit within us, it's downright impossible, I believe, for us to truly live these out. That's why we need God's help. And so just as a refresher course of where we've been over the last four weeks, I, I want to re remind you of what we've talked about. The first challenge that we shared with you was this. I accept the challenge to live in truth with you. That simply means that we're going to love one another and we're going to live in harmony with one another. And the bottom line is this, we're going to keep it about Jesus here at 1910 Church. And as long as Jesus is lifted up, just as we say, as long as Jesus is our focus, as long as Jesus remains the senior pastor of this church, I'm telling you, we will live in truth with one another. Are you with me tonight? 
The second challenge that we talked about was this. I accept the challenge to give you grace. That means to extend favor or kindness to someone who doesn't deserve it or to someone who can never earn it. How many of you are thankful that we serve a God that gives grace? Amen. There was nothing that you had done that you ever deserved the love of God, but he gave you grace. There's nothing that you've ever done that would, des- that would require God to forgive you and give you mercy time and time again. It's just his wonderful grace that he's given us. And so because we've been the recipients of tremendous grace, here's what we're going to do at this house. We're going to give grace to other people. And just let me remind you what Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone? Yes, that's what the Bible says. It says, remember the Lord forgave you. And so you must forgive others. Whew. It's hard stuff. There are some verses in the Bible you just weren't, you wish they weren't there, right? It's hard, isn't it? But I accept the challenge to give you grace. The third challenge was this. I accept the challenge to receive you humbly. Humbly. We humble ourselves to serve others. In fact, we talked about week number three, that the way up to God is down through service. That anyone that desires to be great in the kingdom of God must humble themselves and serve others. Humility. Now listen, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not saying that you've got to have some poor self-image as to who you are or self-view. No, it's simply placing the needs of others above yours and seeing them as more important. I accept the challenge to receive you humbly. Last week we talked about challenge number four. I accept the challenge to cover your back. It's pretty self-explanatory. We're going to stand up. And we're going to defend one another. We will not participate in gossip or slander or any other conversation that is negative or destructive towards others. It's pretty easy, isn't it? We're going to cover each other's back. So tonight is our final challenge. That I, and, and I just got to be honest with you. I, I probably could have just preached this one challenge and saved you the misery of the last four Sundays. I mean, this one really sums it all up. And if we were to just live this one challenge, this place would rock. This place would be great. This place would be bursting at the seams. Bursting. Bursting at the seams. We sang that earlier. I love that word, bursting. When's the last time you used that word in a sentence? And we sing it. I love that. This place would be bursting at the seams. And so here's the final challenge. I accept the challenge to treat you as Jesus treats me. I mean, isn't that pretty self-explanatory? I mean, if we just lived that out, would our culture, not just this house, but would our culture not be a better society? If we just treated each other the way that Jesus treats us. Now listen, Jesus is all right in our culture. Most people have a pretty favorable opinion as to who Jesus is. They just don't like the followers of Jesus, right? Because we're so unlike Jesus. What's the famous Mahatma Gandhi quote? I like your Jesus. It's your Christians I don't like because your Christians are so unlike your Jesus. Jesus has a pretty good approval rating across the globe. Most people know that Jesus was good. 
and that he cared for people. But it's us that sometimes don't represent and show him off in such a great manner. So what would it look like in this house? What would it look like in our society if we treated one another as Jesus treats us? Well, I want us to look at who he is as it's described, as he's described in Philippians chapter 2. And I want us to see how we might apply his behavior, his demeanor, the way he acted and interacted with people, how we might apply this towards one another. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Let me stop right there. Guys, when we live in unity as the body of Christ, it brings God great glory and delight. You know that, right? In fact, one of the final things he prayed for us before he he ascended into heaven, he prayed this, Lord, may they be one. Not some 40,000. There are some 40,000 different denominations in our world today. May they be one as you and I are one. We continue reading in the text. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. These eight verses give us a pretty good snapshot as to who Jesus is and as to how we should treat one another. We see here in these eight verses, first and foremost, that Jesus serves. He serves. Jesus thought of others. It says that he became a servant. Paul traces the steps in the humiliation of Christ in these eight verses by reminding us of these things, that he emptied himself, laying aside his, his, the independent use of his own attributes of God. Listen, Jesus was fully God, therefore able to enjoy the full rights and benefits of being God sitting on a throne. But we know that he permanently became a human in a sinless physical body. You see, God left his throne in heaven and he came to earth in the form of a man whose name was Jesus. Fully God, yes, but fully man. And he used his body while here on earth, that human body, to become a servant. How did he do that? Ultimately, he took that body to the cross and he willingly died. Is that not amazing? That God would leave heaven and come to earth. That he would leave glory and embrace shame. That he would no longer be called master, but yet he would come and become a servant. From life 
to experiencing death, even death on a cross. If you'll just take the time to read any of the Bible, and I pray that you do, you're going to discover something about Jesus over and over again. It's Jesus that serves others. It's not others that serve Jesus. You're going to find when you read about him in the Gospels, those four Uh, first four books of the New Testament, you will find about his life and how he interacted and how he lived his life. And you're going to find time and time again, Jesus responding and initiating and going to people serving them, not asking people to come or beg them to come and serve him. What kind of people did Jesus serve and respond to? All kinds. Fishermen, harlots, tax collectors, People who were sick and had been thrown out of their communities. Jesus responded to people who were broken and hurting. People who were in deep sorrow. He served them. I love Matthew 20, 28. It says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Even during his final Time with his disciples here on earth. That upper room experience that we talked about last week. When his disciples apparently refused to serve one another and minister to one another. What did we find in that moment? We find Jesus rising from the table. Removing his outer garment. Wrapping a long linen towel around himself. And bending down, stooping down to wash their feet. Taking the place of a servant. You see, if there's anything that you need to know about the Jesus that we lift high and we worship here tonight at 1910, he serves. He serves people. I believe that serving people is the best way to break through to their heart. I believe that that's why Jesus came and I believe that that's why we read story after story of Jesus serving people. Because I believe that he knew that it was a great way to soften them and open them up to the reality as to who his Father in heaven was. Miracles, wonders that he performed, what were they all for? Were they to puff him up and to build a name for himself? Oh no. They were always done to meet a need of someone, but all the while pointing them towards his Father in heaven. Listen, I believe that serving people in our culture even today is the best way to break through to their heart. Listen, there will be people that will refute and they will reject our story, the gospel. They will, won't they? You ever maybe tried to share your faith with someone? And maybe they blew you off or, or maybe they replied with, hey, you know what? That's, that's good for you, but that's just not for me. Or maybe you say, hey, can I pray with you? Listen, there are going to be times, I hope that there are times, in which you've had someone reject you telling your story, your faith story. Maybe if you've not been rejected, maybe you need to, come on, get after it. Go get rejected. It's good. It feels good. It really does. Listen, they may not accept or may, they may reject our faith, but I'm telling you, most people will not reject our serving them, will they? They won't. Most people like to be catered to. Most people like it when others do nice, kind deeds and acts 
for them. We like to be served, don't we? And I believe that it's through our service that we soften people's hearts and they get a clearer picture as to who our Savior, who our Jesus is. Who's the last person you served? Does serving come easy for you? Do you serve? Have you stolen a page out of Jesus' playbook and, and embraced this idea of servanthood? Listen, it's one thing to say that you're a Christian, but it's another thing to show that you're a Christian. And I think for far too long in settings such as this, we've done a good job of yap, 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 talk, 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 talk. But yet when it comes to putting Jesus on display, we kind of cower and we back off. That's for the paid professionals. That's why we, we send our money to, to missionaries and missions organizations. We're going to let those that get paid to put Jesus on display do it, right? Listen, it's one thing to say that you're a Christian, but it's quite another thing to show that you're a Christian. Genuine love shown through humble service, I believe, is a surefire way for us to turn people on to Jesus Christ. In fact, I love what Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 35. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And I would go on to say, your love towards others, the way you serve people, will also prove that you belong to Jesus. He serves, but also he loves. He loves. You know, many people are willing to serve others if it does not cost them anything. But if there's a price to pay, people suddenly bail out of serving, don't they? Am I going to get sweaty doing this? You mean it's going to take longer than an hour? There's a financial commitment to this? What do you mean that I might have to, to go serve someone that lives over there? Or, or, or someone that, that behaves this way? Are you kidding me? I'm out of here. Right? we like the idea of serving. We love the idea of loving people as long as there's no cost to it. <laughs> but I'm reminded, let me remind you what it said in Philippians verse, chapter 2, verse 8 that we read earlier tonight. That Jesus became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Listen, his was not the death of a martyr, but it was the death of a Savior. You see, Jesus willingly, say willingly, he willingly laid down his life for the sins of the world. Why would he do that? Have you ever thought, what drove Jesus to the cross? Was it the taunts of the crowd that day as he made his way through the city streets? Was it the whip of the Roman soldier? No. You know what drove Jesus to the cross? It was love. It was love. Jesus loves us. That's just who he is. And God knew that the greatest way that he could prove his love for us was by going to the cross. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his love or showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? Sinners. You remember that exchange that someone had with Jesus while he was hanging on the cross? Why don't you just save yourself? 
Come on off the cross. You can, you can call upon your angels and they can deliver. Why don't you just save yourself? You know why Jesus didn't save himself? That was never his intention. Jesus' intention was never to save himself. His intention all along was to save you. To save you. That's what drove him to the cross. Love took him there. That's real love. You see, love is about my will. Love is my choice. It's my choice to love others, isn't it? It's my choice to to give of myself. Listen, the Lord wants us to see what real love is. And I'm telling you, real love, if we're going to love people and treat people the way that Jesus treats them, listen, it's going to require great sacrifice. And it's going to make you a little uncomfortable sometimes. And it might hurt from time to time. But I want to remind you of that image in Scripture of what real love is. It's a Savior who became a man. And He died for the sins of you and me and the rest of the world. He took the step. He initiated. And church, listen. If we're going to treat others as Jesus treats us, we too must take that first step in loving others, even though they may not receive that love. Jesus serves. He loves. And the last word I want to leave with you tonight, we could talk for hours about Jesus. But I want you to know that he forgives. Some of you need to let that word sink into your heart tonight. That Jesus forgives. You need to know that tonight we're not worshiping and we're not talking about a God that is holding grudges against us tonight. We're, we're worshiping tonight and we're, we're talking about a God. He's, he's not up in heaven holding some long ledger sheet keeping a list of all of your screw-ups. And they're many, aren't they? That's not who He is. You need to know that tonight... You can be forgiven. Is that not refreshing? To know that my past can be forgotten. To know that, that God's not so angry with me that, that, he still, that, that he's written me off, but yet he would still want to, to welcome me in and call me one of his. That he would forgive me. And let me remind you what scripture says beginning in verse 8 of Psalm chapter 103. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry and he's filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. And he has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. You see, that's what makes him God and us not God. This thing of forgiveness is is, is hard, isn't it? Anybody struggle with forgiveness? Let me see your hands. rest of you are lying. You are. It's hard. It's not natural. That's why I shared with you earlier, this is going to require a supernatural work of God in us in order to treat others as Jesus treats us. So while forgiveness might be hard for you and I, it's not for God. It's not hard for Him. 
You read about the depth of his forgiveness time and time again through scripture. Hey, listen, he, he, he forgave thieves. He forgave liars. He forgave adulterers. He forgave even the religious people. He forgave murderers, all sorts of evil people. And I'm telling you tonight, he will forgive you when you confess your need for him and acknowledge your need for his love. He will. He will. There's no one in this room tonight that's too far gone. You've not done enough bad stuff in which God's going to say, I'm sorry, you're out. My love does not extend that far. No. Every one of us can experience the love, the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? So in this house, we will forgive others because we've been forgiven. Can you imagine what it would be like when we begin to treat others as Jesus treats us? It's going to happen. It's going to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit as we allow God to work through us. Do you believe that? It will. I love this quote from Jen Hatmaker. Somebody sent to me this week. She says, May the world see a thankful, committed family who loves their God, adores their Savior, and can't get enough of one another. (laughs) This is a story that saves, a story that heals, and the right story to tell. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you know the Jesus I'm talking about? Do you know the Jesus that serves? Do you know the Jesus that loves? Do you know the Jesus that forgives? I'm not saying do you know about him. I'm asking you tonight, do you really know him? Have you received this free gift of salvation, of life abundant that he's offering the whole world, even you? You're not too far gone. You're not too dirty. Don't let the enemy get in your mind and tell you those things. No, you're just the person that Jesus came for. You're just the person that this church was established for. You know that? You see, this church was established for people that are far from God. Our name, Luke 19.10, we are about finding and restoring. This is a house for sick and hurting people. From time to time, I'll get somebody come up to me and begin to talk about one of you in this room. Say, hey, do you know that so-and-so goes to your church? Yes. Do do you know what so-and-so's like? You you, you know that that they've done this and and they left this and and they say these things. And you know that this is what they do on the weekends. You know that that person does that? Yes. Why would you let them in your church? I'm like, well, because I think that's who Jesus came for. He came for people like that. In fact, didn't Jesus say something like, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick? (laughs) Right? Hey, I pray that this house always has a bunch of sick people in it. Amen? In fact, just look at your neighbor right now and say, you're sick. Now, I pray that we constantly have people that are hurting and broken and need restoration. People that are sick and in need of a Savior. Are you with me tonight? And when people like that come to me and begin to talk trash about people in my church, you know what I want to say to them? I don't because I'm a holy man and I'm a pastor. 
And we can't ever think ill or ugly thoughts or definitely say them. But there's a part of that flesh in me, Luther, that just says, you know what? Don't you ever come to my church. We're not for people like you. We're for sick people. People that are jacked up. That know they are. Amen? Have you received the love and mercy and the grace? The forgiveness of Jesus? You see, some of you in this room tonight might be sick. And you might be broken. And I'm telling you, tonight you're in the perfect place for healing. This is a hospital for sinners. It's not a museum for saints. It's for broken people. And that might be you tonight. So here's what we're going to do tonight. Pastor Chach is so melodiously playing behind me. So soothing. But tonight, here's what we're going to do. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Because for someone here tonight, I believe he's calling you. And I want to challenge you tonight not to put it off any longer. I want to encourage you to say yes to Jesus and surrender your life to him. I'm telling you, you'll never regret that decision. I've never met anyone that has said yes to Jesus and come back years later. So you know what? I regretted that decision. No. It gets better each and every moment, each and every day. And so I want to ask you to stand with me tonight. Will you do that? And, and I know we've got some of our prayer and ministry team that are available here tonight. And, and, and they're going to be down front tonight. And here's what their goal is. Their goal is to receive you and to share with you the difference that Jesus can make in someone's life. And so if you're here tonight and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, and you've never said, Lord, come into my life, save me, change me. I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that, that I've, I, 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 I've just done these things against you. And tonight is a night where I, I wanna, I'm asking for your forgiveness. And I'm asking you to come in and become Lord of my life. If you need to do that tonight, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to officially dismiss us. And as people are leaving, I want you to come and visit with one of our team members down front. Or maybe there's just some other care or concern that you walked in tonight caring. They would love to pray with you guys about that as well tonight. But we're here to serve and to minister to you. So Father, I want to thank you for the reminder tonight as to who you are and how we should treat people. Lord, we look at your example you set for us. You serve you love and you forgive. Lord, we could go on and on, but Lord, I pray that we would be a church that lives those things out, that we would treat others as you have treated us. Lord, I'm praying right now for the person in this room that for whatever reason, Lord, they've never said yes to Jesus. They've never, they've never admitted that they, they, they can't do life on their own. They need you, God, to help them through. I'm praying that tonight would be the night that they would receive you as Lord and Savior. God, that they would receive this abundant life that you said you came to give us. Life that is off the chain. Life that is fun and dynamic. Lord, that tonight they would receive the eternal life that you offer as well. You see, this decision, guys, is not just going to last you the 74.5 years you live on earth. No, the decision you make tonight with Jesus is one of eternity. Eternity. So, Father, I'm praying for that person tonight that needs to make a decision for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.